Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Medium Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find over four separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, links for you to subscribe to the podcast, and a place where you can donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Charlotte. Hi, I'm Charlotte. I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. Hi. I'm glad to be here. I want to thank Atusa for asking me. Whew, I'm nervous, um, but I just have to tell myself to get over myself. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, ask God to speak through me. So, anyways, um, I want to welcome the newcomer and, uh, you know, just encourage you to keep coming back. You know, I, I had to for a couple years before it, um, I heard the solution and started taking action. So, um, also, I'll, um, my abstinence date is 4-9-2012. Uh, I have a sponsor, and uh, my bottom line is no purging um, in any form, uh, laxatives, colonics, um, throwing up, anything. So, those are the statistics, I think. So, anyways, I'll get to it. Um, what I was like... Um, So I was born on the East Coast, but my family moved um, pretty quickly to California. Uh, They were bankers and got uh, jobs in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, a lot of of my early childhood memories were I was afraid. Um, My dad was an alcoholic, and, uh, you know, I just remember being really afraid. I had night terrors, and my my family sent me to the psychiatrist when I was really young, when I was three. And uh, <laughs> uh, it was fun going to the psychiatrist when I was three. I uh, played I played in the sandbox, and uh, you know my parents were really concerned about me because they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. But you know, looking back, I I, I think I was born with this ism, and um, you know, I as I started growing up, my parents got divorced when I was three, and I went to go live with my mom, and my dad really wasn't a part of my life for all of my life. Um, Growing up, he moved out of state, and it was just my mom and myself, and I started to control my environment, um, and food uh, started, I started to control what I ate, and I was a really picky eater right from the start, and I would eat two things, um, pasta with butter on it, and pizza with nothing like, I would take everything off of it and just eat the bread. And uh, <laughs> my parents, you know, just didn't have a lot of tools, and they, they sort of just made fun of me um, for that. And, uh, of course, I, I got a resentment really early, <laughs> really on, really early on. But, um, you know, I was a, the perfect girl, the perfect little girl. I, I got really good grades and cleaned my room and... Um, only ate those two things for when I was a little, when I was a child, <laughs> but um, as I you know, I grew up, my my dad moved out of state and I moved up to Napa Valley with my mom and I had, so I had an idyllic childhood on the outside. Like we lived in the country, I rode a horse, um, I, w- I went to public school until I was in fifth grade, and um, but I always like just felt like there was something a little bit off about me and I started having like body obsession and like I said I concerned with what I ate and it was a lot of learned behavior I think in terms of like my family originates from the south and I always used to hear my mom saying like oh don't eat that or you shouldn't eat that or 
I'm fat, and I, I learned those things, um, and that definitely doesn't make me have the disease that I have, but I, I remember hearing a lot of that, and, um, you know, my mom was always on a diet, and, and so as I grew up, um, when I was about 11, I started to eat really just a, not very much, and my mom started to compliment me on losing a lot of weight, and I started reading all of these magazines, like, I don't know, 17, they're still around, and just sort of, like, compare and contrast my life, and I got the idea that being thin is happiness, and I'm like, if I am thin, I will be happy, and I think a lot of us in here, like, equate thin with happy, and so I, uh, like, that became my goal, and it wasn't like I was going to go to college and become, you know, some, <laughs> like, astrophysicist or something. It was like, I am going to be thin, and my, my, and, like, this lack, this sense, sense of, this lack inside of me or, or not enoughness, I equated like, the way that I would become enough is by being thin and being prettier. And so I don't know how that, that came along, but like I said, I got a lot of uh, positive feedback from my family members and, and also from guys that, like, if I looked good, things were all right. And, and other things, like, I just, I don't know where I got that. But anyways, that was my goal. And uh, so my life moved, moved along, and I went away to boarding school on the East Coast, <coughs> sort of not because I was a bad kid. A lot of people think that, oh, were you bad? No, not at all. It was a, a family tradition, and I went away, and I was incredibly homesick, and um, I discovered uh, bulimia there, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, I'm saying like it wasn't unmanageable. Yeah, it was unmanageable. Unmanageable. <laughs> I, uh, it was the sort of it was the sort of bulimia that was like I would eat a normal meal and, and throw it up, and um, that's not what it looks like at the end. Uh, but I was not happy there. But I I I excelled, and that was sort of like another um, drug for me. Uh, if I everything out on the outside, if I made straight A's, I was president of my class. Uh, everything was a, like a really pretty package, um, but on the inside, I was just. Uh, I was spiritually bankrupt even at, at 16, and um, and I had this eating disorder that was growing, and I did things like throw up in, in garbage bags in my uh, dorm room and, and hide them, and um, I just denied that I had this eating disorder to everyone around me. Um, and I went home, um, and at the same time, I was had always been my mom and I um, growing up together. And she got married uh, six months before, um, three months before I went away to boarding school and had a baby. And um, I just experienced this deep rejection, and um, I used that to fuel my eating disorder and a lot of other isms that I, uh, you know, a lot of other addictions. Um, so I, I left boarding school at 16 and went back to California to go to school because I thought that it was boarding school. And <laughs> all my problems went from the East Coast to the West Coast with me. And, um, you know, actually my eating disorder got way worse. I It, it wasn't just um, eating a normal meal and then throwing it up. It became 
binging and then throwing up. So I would eat lot, start to, start to binge, and then the release that I got from the throwing up was um, something that I sought. And I started to abuse laxatives because I wasn't living in a dorm um, a dorm style. I wasn't living in a dorm anymore, so I didn't have to hide it. Um, I was living at my dad's house, and um, it was a big house. And I, I remember going to school and coming home, and no one would be home, and I would binge, and I would <coughs> throw up, and I would do my homework. I wouldn't see anyone until dinner, and then I would do it all over again. And I was taking mass amounts of laxatives, and it was just a, a pitiful, and my life was so small, and my, my only friend was also a bulimic, and we would do this together. And it was like my, my world was tiny, and like I said, I had no... I couldn't see a week ahead of me. It was just like this tiny um, existence, and um, I had no hopes or aspirations. Even though I was, I had so many uh, capabilities. I was smart. I, you know, I had everything going for me, but I, I just couldn't see out in front of me. I couldn't see the truth in my life, and so. Um, at the same time, I started to develop a drug addiction as well, and uh, and I, I went into treatment, and um, you know that sort of started a whole nother, which is an outside issue from this program. Um, just years of um, being in and out of treatment centers for that, and uh, you know how that influenced my eating disorder is that I thought that that was the cure for my eating disorder, and um, but. It, it just put it on hold, and this disease was waiting for me every time that I, um, like, I would start using, and and I, my eating disorder, like, I, I thought it was over, like, it was done, it was a miracle, but this disease was just doing push-ups and waiting for me, and it would come back with a vengeance, because I just couldn't stand the way that I felt um, sober, uh, and... And so, fast forward, you know, I spent from age 17 to 23 in and out of rehabs and, um, you know, sneaking any way that I could, uh, you know, just get out of myself with my eating disorder. And it was just a really pathetic life. And um, what happened for me is I I moved to Los Angeles um, in April 2007, and I got sober. And I knew that... uh, like it was like a monkey on my back, this eating disorder. I know that that's a description for something else, but uh, <laughs> it was it was my first addiction, and I had to I had to deal with it. But uh, I I I you know what? That's not really the truth because I I went into a sober living, and I was able to it, it arrested it. It just sort of stopped, um, and I was able to control my food and. Um, and it was sort of like the boarding school experience is that I wasn't uh, able to really participate in it because I was living in a in an environment with a lot of other girls. And if I was going to throw up, I would have gotten kicked out. And so I just sort of, like, dealt. And I was afraid, and I, I, I didn't throw up. And uh, so what happened is I moved out... Um, on my own into an apartment in Venice and my eating disorder came back and I uh, I couldn't stop I couldn't stop eating and I couldn't stop throwing up and my life was 
so small. Like, I slept all weekend, I ate, and I threw up, and I couldn't stop. And I came into, uh, I dragged myself into the Hill Street meeting, and actually a member of this group here, um, I'd never been to OA, I'd never heard of it, and somebody said, you should, you, should try, you should try an OA meeting, and I said, I was willing, um, and I came into the Hill Street meeting, and I, I met a lot of you people there, and, um, you know, my top weight was 157 pounds, and I was just out of answers, and, um, you know, I was sober, but I was living a double life, and, um, and so... I, I got a sponsor, and I stopped throwing up, but I wasn't able to stop the colonics, and I was doing um, uh, natural laxatives, and I really, I, was, I wasn't willing to give everything up. I was doing it my way, but I was lying about it, and um, I, there was a member of this program, and I'm not sure if she's here, but she has sort of a similar story that she was holding on to the laxatives and I remember hearing her and just hating her because she was telling my truth <laughs> and, and uh, you know I was claiming abstinence and working with a sponsor that just was so harsh but she was willing to tell me the truth I mean she would tell me things like your life is really pathetic and really small <laughs> and, and she was really right <laughs> and I thank her from the bottom of my heart because, like, <laughs> um, you know, I dare you get a sponsor that will tell you the truth. Um, and uh, what happened for me? Uh, oh, I so that was January 2012. Um, she sponsored me for uh, 2011 into 2012, and. You know, the weight started to come off because I, obviously I was, I was doing colonics, but it, that, that didn't help because um, I was still binging a lot, but I had stopped throwing up and I was starting to work the steps and working with a sponsor and going to meetings on a regular basis. And then I met him and oh my gosh, you guys, he was amazing. Um, and I, like, sucked the life out of this guy. I, <laughs> it's so bad. I put so much pressure on this relationship because he, I thought he was the one. Like, if I want something, I am going to get it. <laughs> and, you know, I, of course I scared him off, and and I was devastated, but it, it brought me to a new surrender, and I was in the, uh, I was devastated, and I, I threw up, I lost the faux abstinence, and, <laughs> and I was at the cottage, and I, and I was sobbing, and I got off and my current sponsor was there and she you know she just comforted me in a way that was really authentic and really got through to me I really needed somebody to um to just be there and uh she was and I was I was able to get honest she said you know are, are you abstinent or you know and I said no and I've been lying and uh I just knew uh Oh, what what happened is I realized that I was just lying to myself, you know, and that's what we do here is just 
totally, there's a smoke screen. Uh, I just was lying to myself. And who was I kidding? Just me. <laughs> um, and I told her about the colonics and not to mention the hundreds of that, like thousands of dollars that I was wasting. Um, and, and she said, can you just not do that for the rest of today? And, and I paused. And because I really didn't know. You know, it was like, it's my lifeline. I had really no serious connection to God or reliance on God because I was relying on these these laxatives like it was like God and um, and I said okay yeah I can just not do it for today and that was April April 9th and um, you know I haven't my plumbing is fine everything's fine <laughs> it's like you know I was just so worried that I I was not going to be okay, and everything's fine. And um, for the years and decades that I abused my body, I, you know, thank God that it's fine. And it's not perfect, like the way that I'd like it to be, but um, meetings help. And uh, anyways, so I started working with her, and, um, you know, what started to happen is she she advised me and suggested that my bottom line just be not purging. And I, I took her direction and, um, you know, I'd start, I was, like a lot of us, I, I eat for the effect. And I was binging uh, on a weekly basis. And um, what I was directed to do was to build my life up, um, make calls, uh, make girlfriends, um uh, get involved in school and in my other programs and make a life for myself because my life had gotten really small and again had gotten really small and, and focused on this guy and subsequently what's happened over the last two years is that my life has become important to me I want to be in the middle of my life and I don't want to binge and uh, so the binging has just slowly taken care of itself um, and I just, I'm always looking for the quick fix. So I wanted the binging to be taken away. I wanted it to be perfect. I wanted to lose another 10 pounds. And that's not the way that it worked for me. Because as soon as I put a restriction on my food, like I'll, or I eat too too little, I, I'm binging in the next three three days or a week. And you could have told me that, but I, I have to have the experience in my life um, to really have to get it because <laughs> I'm really hard-headed um, anyway so um, I started going back to school and uh, lo and behold I am a really good student I'm really ambitious um, and I you know I want a big life for myself so I, I've done that I've, I've been at Santa Monica College and I'm, I'm getting ready to transfer and um, you know I have today a big life that is awesome and um, it's not a small and I have a lot of brain energy that is not focused on you know what do I look like it's I'm not busy being self-obsessed or, um, or any of that so it's amazing how much time and space and energy I have to direct towards um, other people and um, you know important uh, just being involved in life so uh, I, I am able to sponsor people today, which is like just one of the biggest gifts of uh, 
you know, just me getting out of self, <laughs> which is uh, something that I, I didn't think that I knew that I wanted when I first came into this program. I just wanted to be thin, and I wanted to be um, a little bit more sane. Uh, so uh, that's one of the gifts that comes along down the road. And, you know, I am a sleeper. I like to sleep. And uh, I uh, getting calls from sponsors has saved my butt and gotten me up and into my day um, and it's just like a built-in <coughs> it's just a, a built-in alarm clock and it's great <laughs> so um, uh, ways I that I work my program today uh, are you know, like take care of myself self-care that keeps me um, abstinent are like I drink enough water I eat three meals a day I go to a lot of meetings every week I call my sponsor every day I've worked all 12 steps um, I talk to my sponsees on a daily basis and um, I exercise daily um, I try to pray and meditate every day I'm not perfect and uh, I, I try to structure my day so that you know I don't have time to nap and uh, I, I try not to do things that and I try to eat things that don't, um, you know, that sustain me and, uh, don't, you know, that don't check me out. So I think that's, well, I'm probably going to have to open it up to questions. But, um, yeah, I think that that is probably about all that I have to share. Um I'm glad to be here, and I'll open it up for questions. Thank you. <laughs> the question was, can I talk about my spiritual practice and my relationship to God? Um, so somebody uh, asked me this last night. Uh, my relationship to God, uh, so I... I I don't understand God, and I don't even try to understand God. And uh, I've read I've read a couple books that are not really approved literature, but um, I find really helpful. Like Emmett Fox is um, incredibly helpful and been really enlightening to me. But uh, um, before I wake up, or when I wake up, um, before I check um, my email or anything, uh, I try to connect with my body and just um, feel quiet and uh, just do maybe it's a second or two seconds um, it just a con- just connect I guess is what you would say and then I do the same thing uh, at night and I say thank you for the day and I also read the th- like I have three or four daily readers and I try to get those in sometime during the day um, I also uh, you know like in movement like in exercise I think that that is a connection with a with a God, and then also just listening to other people. Like practicing listening <coughs> is um, God is just so it's everywhere, and uh, I I think practicing listening skills is um, a way to connect. So I think that, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> okay, so the question is, uh, what was I most afraid of um, on when I was at the threshold of basically my surrender and what has surprised me the most in in that surrender or mm-hmm. since I've been abstinent. 
what what I was most uh, afraid of, uh, I think, was giving up control and and doing something, doing it differently, and the unknown. Uh, like I knew what taking laxatives and um, well, okay, so on the special and, and getting a colonic was, and of course I was afraid of gaining weight. Um, but I was also afraid of, you know, I, of what the dishonesty, that thread of dishonesty, where that would take me, like how that would affect and be sort of a snowball effect into the rest of my life. It was a poor foundation, and how else would that, um, you know, where, where else would, would that, where else would the cracks show? Um, I needed to build a solid foundation, and that li- that lie was um, could be deadly. And in that moment, I I saw that, I felt it, and and uh, okay, so that's part one. Um, the second part, of what, what has surprised me the most is, you know, that once I made that surrender, it really. Like, I have so much more to gain. Like, my focus was so small. And, uh, like, there's so much... The world has so much to offer me. And uh, uh, I think that I'm just surprised at how big my life has gotten. And, um, you know, the relationships that I've been able to make uh, because I've been able to be selfless in terms of sponsorship... And, and other relationships, I think, has surprised me because I really just had no idea. Like, I was just so focused on myself. And, um, I mean, how could I have known? <laughs> so, that, that surprised me. The first uh, question is, how do I balance two programs? Um, uh, I'm, okay, so, sobriety... Uh, is my primary, so I I go to more AA meetings or whatever um, AA than I do OA, but I always go to one at least one OA meeting <coughs> a week if I can do more. I do, and um, I have a sponsor that's in AA and an OA, so one sponsor for each, and that's not necessary, but uh, it's worked for me. Um, I've worked the, the steps in both, so uh, that was helpful uh, to get to get into the nitty gritty of my my eating disorder. Um, how do I balance? I just do. I mean, I just have to. You know, it's just sort of. I just. I don't question it. Um, it's a must. And. <coughs> What was the second question? Oh. They look really different all the time, but I always try to uh, have a protein and a a green and a fruit, or at least a fruit, and I don't eat gluten because it makes me sick. Um, You know, this has been an area that's not been clean for me. Um, So it's hard for me to answer what is a typical meal look like for me, really. Um, so, 
I try to always eat a, a protein and a, and a vegetable or a fruit, and um, yeah, so. <laughs> uh, how did I make my life larger? Or is that, was that your question? Yeah, like what, did you, what, what did I do? Uh, so, uh, first of all, I had to make friends, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like I, I'm a, a loner, an isolator, I'd rather do it alone, <laughs> and, uh, you know, 99% of the time, I have better time when I'm with other people. And uh, actually, someone, my first sponsor, told me that making friends is like dating, you know, and and it's true. It takes it takes effort, and honestly, I'd rather not put the effort in. But the <laughs> the long term, like I'm a human, and humans need interaction, uh, human interaction to survive, and outside of meetings too. I mean I can hide in a meeting. And so I still have to work at this and make dates ten minutes um, with women and uh, work at it. So that was one area. Two, um, I had I went back to school and it's taken a lot of trial and error or, you know, thinking knowing what I wanted to do, um, and upping the bar, you know, it's sort of, I, I heard this in a, in a meeting that we, I go for the bronze, and it's sort of like I settle, settle, I settle for third best, because my pride is like, oh, I don't want to look bad, and, but that is just not what my life is about, you know, and so, or what I want my life to look like, um, it may be the easier way, but, um, you know, so this year has been about going for the gold and what I really want and what I've always wanted. And that means taking a full load at school, applying to the hardest schools, um, asking for a lot of help. So that, and then dating. And I've dated and have been in relationships and... Uh, you know, that's been a whole nother area, and it's been good, and it's been painful, but it's all been about, you know, growing and re- rejoining the human race, and um, uh, what else? And just trying to have fun, you know. I I can be a really serious person, and um, just inviting fun into my life, so I think that's that's how I've done it. <laughs> And just keeping program first. So, sure. Um, what was my experience with a fourth step, and how did I know when I was done? How did, I have, how did it have a positive impact or impact on my recovery? Yeah, if it did. If it did. Uh, okay, so um, I've done a few fourth steps, and uh, I knew when I was done because I couldn't think of anybody else. And and I was told not to dig, and that this is a program that I'll I'll always be in, uh, hopefully. And it's a you know this is a lifestyle, and uh, I'll have the opportunity to do another fourth step. And 
<clears throat> you know, perfection is a character defect, so I have to watch out for that. And, you know, that there's a pattern in my fourth step, and I'm sure that if I've written down 10 or 20 or 30 people, that the pattern will be in there, and that it's in there. <laughs> uh, and I've had two experiences. I've had the amazing, oh my gosh, uh, euphoric, you know, I feel, I feel things in my body, so I somaticize things, I was, you know, keeled over in my stomach, I mean, keeled over, my stomach hurt, bloated, like, that sort of, oh my gosh, experienced my four-step, and, uh, like, (coughs) on a pink cloud for a couple weeks, and then I've also had the experience, like, really? That's it? (laughs) So, um, but they've always, I mean, they've been really instrumental in, um, re, again, like rejoining me and bringing humility and right-sizing me. Uh, you know, they're instrumental in the rest of the, the steps, so I've always been encouraged to just do them. <laughs> um, so that, that answers the question. The question was, can I... Uh, Describe my experience, strength, and hope for making amends. Um, so, my most profound uh, amends has been with uh, a boyfriend of mine who, 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 well, I had a boyfriend that died of a drug overdose, and he and I made a financial contribution to his. Uh, his, I guess, it w- what would it be called? Charity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I didn't think anything of it, and I d- it wasn't even a lot of money. It was just, you know, something that I thought would close the loop because it was a really ugly, you know, it was, it was not a pretty thing that happened. And, you know, I got this uh, letter out of the blue from his mom and this happened like over 10 years ago and it was just the most beautiful letter you know thanking me for and recognizing the relationship that we had and um you know just wishing me well and we have a relationship today and so i you know that's sort of like my my favorite immense story and that he, you know, she's a deeply spiritual, religious woman um, that lives in Texas, and it just, um, it just, it just closed that loop for me because I always felt that I had abandoned him or that I had not done enough. And um, her reaching out and writing that letter just so healed that relationship for me. Um, but you know, all of my amends have been uh, positive. Um, I haven't had a, an, an experience that, you know, someone told me they didn't want to talk to me or they didn't, um, you know, and nothing like that. And uh, people have always been really encouraging of my journey. Um, you know, I have five amends left, and uh, the easiest ones have been financial amends, um, but the hardest ones have been ones within my family, I think. Uh, so... Uh, my, you know, my experience is that I just have to do them, and I'm giving that my, me, my own advice, (laughs) you know, so, uh, 
yeah, it's there's just a sense of peace and 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 rightness with the world that I get um, from doing them. So it's scary, but it just takes a little like pulling up your bootstraps and just moving forward, moving through it, moving through the fear. So that's it. <laughs> Thanks. So what's that thought or something that you do um, when maybe you don't have tools handy and feel overwhelming emotions? Yeah, uh, I, I just ask. I, I have a pretty open dialogue with God, um, so I just ask God to be with me and uh, to comfort, to bring comfort to me. Um, and it seems to either distract me or work. Um, so <laughs> I'm not really sure which one. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Oh, okay, I think I'll end. Thank you. <laughs>